Okay, I am recording. All right, Taylor. I'm ready, lady. We are doing this podcast. This world of fundraising that we all know it, it's evolving and it's hard. We also wanted to start this as a way for people to listen in on conversations from the best in the biz. I'm Devin Twyman and I'm Taylor Shanklin, aka T Shank on the street. And you're tuned in to Raise More Now. Raise More Now, 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 now. <laughs> hey, 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 Crazy D, what are we going to talk about today? Well, I believe we talked about some analogies about building a house, making sure your coffee is just right, and maybe even going to the Apple store, how they sell computers there. <laughs> But don't worry, it's not all nonsense. We actually relate these things to nonprofit things. Uh, We had a great guest on the show, Andrew Urban, who is someone we consider family, also a great matchmaker. Um, He brought Devin and I together last year. Um, Yep, yep, yep. (laughs) That got weird. Um, But Andrew is one of our favorite people to talk to in this industry. He is the author of a book titled The Nonprofit Buyer, and he's got over 20 years of experience in the nonprofit software space, uh, working for several of the large nonprofit software technology companies, and uh, starting his own consultancy called Return on Mission, and now he is over with the um, netsuite.org group, the uh, charitable portion of the NetSuite business. And we had a great conversation with Andrew, talked to him about, you know, how when you are evaluating a new software that could help your your mission, how to evaluate it from the standpoint of what's my return on mission? So, you know, how do I relate my mission to the software and make sure that I'm getting something that's actually going to be useful to me? And we might be talking about the three P's, price, price, Price. Should you really be focusing on price or should you really be focusing on what do you want that technology actually to do? What can it do for you? You. <laughs> you. I'm Crazy D, Devin Twyman. And I'm Taylor Shanklin, a.k.a. T-Shank. In the house. On the street. On the street. In the avenue, in the alley, in the car, in the rave, in the rave, in your earbuds, <laughs> in the tattoo parlor. All right, that is the episode with our family member, Andrew Urban, and I think you'll enjoy it. He is definitely a wealth of knowledge in this space. Um, he's taught yeah. me a lot. May the listening force be with you. Hey, 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 fundraising friends. We are here today with a very special guest, Mr. Andrew Urban. Andrew, welcome to Raise More Now. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. So I want to get started giving the listeners a little bit um, of background about you. And I was reading one of the articles that you posted just this week on LinkedIn talking about uh, how you're thankful for nonprofit sector software. And I thought, it was a great article, um, just sort of great descriptor, I guess, in a way of like your experience in this space. So give us a little bit of background about yourself. Well, thank you. I 
The I uh, appreciate your taking a look at that. It, I, I wrote it because in 15 years of working in nonprofit tech and previous to that, I was in seven, seven years of, as I would call it, the soulless high tech. And I, I've learned a, a few things, I hope. But uh, from the nonprofit sector, it's been wonderful to see over the last decade and a half how, how much has changed. I, when I, a friend asked me about that article yesterday, and I was talking about what it was like in 2000 when I started at Convio and when Contera was starting, and Blackbaud was still a pretty small company overall. And if, if the perspective on it was to think that the internet was really only about five to six years old for when it comes to public consumption, and we were really still we were trying to figure out, just like every other industry, how is this going to support and help the nonprofit sector, uh, just as everyone else was trying to understand, could, would people buy things online? Would people? And we were trying to understand, would people donate online? Would people actually go to go online to find information about the nonprofit? How do we how do we talk about ourselves online? And and it's amazing to see the transformation of of the I call it the business of our missions today, and how the the technology that is out there now is completely intertwined with delivering on our missions. And that's, I think, what I'm most thankful for, is that technology is not just a way to talk about our missions, but it's actually a way to really do them. And without, without the nonprofit sector uh, and the software and the innovation, and the, as I talked about, the disruption that happens because of that innovation, it, we wouldn't be able to do so many of the good things that uh, the sector does today. So I would have to say this about Andrew. Um, Andrew, I've really enjoyed, I consider Andrew a little bit of a Raise More family. He was part of our our team. You came in to um, Raise More, helped me really learn about the nonprofit space. So I consider Andrew a family member here at Raise More as well. He also... He also helped connect the dots between us. So, you know, forever grateful for you bringing us together. I think it's funny. So remind me again, when were you at Convio? I, back in 2000, 2001, the very beginning. That's right. Yeah. So it's funny how our paths didn't cross until when, a year and a half ago, maybe or so. Um I- or just about a year ago, I think. Something like that. During my consulting years there, uh, post, uh, yeah, yeah, in the last uh, four years working as con- kind of consulting around the the book I wrote in 2010, The Nonprofit Buyer. So that's how I met Devin was through just lots of different, uh, I guess, uh, relationships, checking back people, introducing all, all around. But the, the book was about... Uh, helping organizations on uh, how to make technology decisions that are mission-focused. And then so I consulted around to organizations on that as well as to vendors who are working to find their way in the nonprofit sector and find their particular unique value to the sector. Yes, yeah, so you've got a lot of experience working at software companies in the space um, and consulting on it. So I want to get into the the heart of the conversation a little bit today and pick your brain on what organizations should be thinking about with um, when adopting some new software. So what would you say, if you had to think about three things um, an organization should be looking at when they're 
they are evaluating a new software that they might adopt, what would those top three things need to be to make it a good fit for the organization? Uh, let's see, price, price, and price. <laughs> <laughs> The three yeah. P's. <laughs> the three P's. That's right. It's like location. Uh, I, I, well, thank you. Yeah, definitely. I, I joke about price, but it, it's uh, it's always top of mind, and it's something that everyone's always worried about. And particularly in the nonprofit sector, I, I always try to liken when people are from who don't live in our world, kind of ask about what it's. How do you how do you work with nonprofits, and what do you do? And they don't have any money, and like, well. They do have money. They just are motivated to spend it differently, mm-hmm. and for and for good reason because the money that they get is from from donors who care about them and and they and, or from grants or from members. And these are those are uh, emotional dollars that are given, and they have a they have a responsibility to do the right thing with those with those with all those money all that money. So that's it. Really, isn't it's a very important factor, but. Even beyond that, I mean, price is something you have to always kind of keep in top of mind. But it always goes back to the question of what do you want to do? And, and I think uh, it's a people when they start thinking about uh, buying something, and you're talking asking for three things. But I kind of liken it, it sometimes when people start to think about technology and buying, it's not something in the nonprofit their nonprofit role that they do every day. So they get into that and they start to just immediately think, well, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I I'm going to have to go get some consultant or I'm going to have to go uh, – I'm, I'm just going to go try to find something that some, my so-and-so friend says is pretty awesome and we'll go from there. And it's it's really not as difficult as that so when you think about it. People make choices and I, I, I kind of liken it sometimes. It's, it's harder for me anyway because I'm not a coffee drinker to go buy my wife's uh, caramel macchiato – Triple espresso with the whipped cream <laughs> on top. I mean, the, hey, you know, don't forget the uh, three pumps. Uh, in, uh, yeah, vanilla and the cherry on top. The cherry. I, no, she, no cherries, but definitely the three pumps. So yeah, the, <laughs> it, that that part. I I always forget that part. Uh, but it. I, it's I, easy yeah. <laughs> to do so. <laughs> well, so so actually is nonprofit software for actually. Uh, but so if you think about it, it, it's about just kind of understanding the what you really want and what do you want to do. Uh, the your, the coffee metaphor is frankly, you know, what do you want and what kind of taste are you looking for? But then in nonprofit software, it's you know, what do you need to do? Well, you need to uh, you have to look and you need to be able to track uh, you know, donor information. You need to track members. Uh, how do you want? And then you who are the people you're trying to work with? And then what kind of interactions do you want to have with them? And then how do you, how do how do you do? What kind of areas do those people live that you need to interact uh, to? And it's it's a simple uh, decision tree at that point. And so those when you start to look at the software, I mean certainly you're looking at price. And the, thankfully, the nice part about the growth of the nonprofit sector, there are no matter what you need to do, there are there are tools that can that can actually do something at your particular price level today. So certainly the things that cost more are going to do a lot more. They're going to tell you all kinds of amazing things. But it's it's really incredible what even low-cost tools can do today. So you don't, you don't want to focus on price. You really want to start from what do you want what do you want to do? I always like going to the Apple store and they never they they would never come up to you and go, "What kind of computer are you looking for?" 
you know, what kind of, uh, uh, you know, how fast do you need your computer to be? You know, they actually ask, you know, what do you do with your computer? Yeah, I love that. That's a great point. I also really like what you said about it being an emotional buying experience because, again, there's there's that mission tied to the dollars that they're spending. Um, you know, it's an emotional experience for your wife getting that, you know, third pump versus two pumps, you know? I mean, trust me, I know. I spend every day at Starbucks almost. Um, well, so that leads to point number three, which is really the, the term in the book I quite, which is called return on mission. So you hear all the uh, you hear a lot about uh, nonprofits need to be more like a business, or or how things businesses can learn from nonprofits can learn from business, and I think those things are all, are great, but it, they really mo- they lose the motivation of what makes us unique as nonprofits. And return on mission is about measuring the impact of an investment as as to pr- how it m- helps push the mission forward. So every every vendor that you're talking to uh, about whatever it might be, a, a finance accounting or a fundraising software or uh, whatever that might be, uh, the, if the vendor can't talk to you in terms of how what they're providing is going to support the mission, then why bother? Yeah, that's a great point. So return on mission is, is you think about return on investment, is the, the amount of, of dollars returned on money spent. So, for example, you're buying a new fundraising package. Your return is not necessarily a a an investment of dollars returned to the organization. It might be because you're raising more money, but also there's a what is the impact of that money that's being raised? So start start a step back. What what again? Back to that question. What do you want to do? Well, we have a new we have a uh, a program we'd like to grow. Well, we know that in order to grow that, we need to be able to raise X amount of dollars because it costs X to be able to have this this particular impact and that whatever that impact measurement might be as a as a performance indicator, for example. And then you can actually start to say, uh, and I, you can start to translate a nonprofit uh, a nonprofit programmatic goal into a business uh, performance indicator that some of your board members can really understand. Because let's face it, there are a lot of board members who just live in their business world and don't really understand the impact, uh, how to measure philanthropy, and the 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 charity aspect of philanthropy. They're used to I I create this for X cost, I sell it for this at X cost, I get this amount back. We don't work, we don't live in that realm in the not in with our missions as as we deliver them. So in order to be able to say. Uh, I'm not just a staff member saying, "Oh, I really want this new this new software package because it's really going to help me." And they say, "Well, oh, well, that's a lot of money. Why would I need to spend that? You seem seems like you're doing pretty good with the with what you have." Oh, well, we're limping along and we're making a workaround. It takes our staff seven hours to do this report, uh, but it's fine. You know, it's the staff. The staff. You know, we love what we do, and it's all good. Well, to be return on mission lets you make that case in in the that met, that marries the business case of investment to the mission impact that it can have, which includes staff time and then delivery of, of the mission. And then once you start to make those connections, it, it really is amazing how the conversation changes. And uh, you could start going from, hey, w- hey, we're just getting by to what can we really do to serve and build. 
Yeah, I love that. Um, and I get I get a little excited. So you just this is my soapboxes. No, I just, no, no, I love I, that. I, you know, people <laughs> are always looking at you know ROI, and I love your take on it as our return on mission. I think it's brilliant. So oh. something else that you mentioned is you know there's a lot of tools out there now which actually make it easier for orgs mm-hmm. to adopt things. Um, a lot, you know, a, a lot of tools out there that give you free trials. What is your, let's say that someone is evaluating something and they're doing their free trial. How can they, you know, take that, let's say they had 30 days with the the software before um, they have to pay anything. How can they take that and show that return on mission with just like that trial? Uh, first off, you have to be careful with some of those. What's the, it's the old joke that, uh, computer software vendors are the only people that call their customers users because the first hit is free. <laughs> Zing. It's not a good thing. It's always about I get back to that that price aspect of just you know you can you can get free trials and you can look at that but the evaluation has to be on what you want the pro- the product to do versus it does it so there's that that line of what it does versus the cost, and does it actually fit to the to the mission aspect we're trying to solve to? So basically, within those thirty days, did it do what you expected it to do? Do you think it's going to um, get you to your next goal? Whether that's you know helping you create a new program or increase fundraising or or something like that. Um, is basically your point. Yeah. For example, like big brothers, big sisters out there knows exactly how much it costs to match a big to a little. Yeah. Uh, It 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 could because they can they can actually narrow down that business process. Uh, A lot of nonprofits don't have that same kind of ability to to encapsulate that process. So it may not be an actual dollar amount, but you're right. It could be a particular goal. The point is before kind of going off and trying and looking at feature and function, uh, just feature sets that are out there or particular functionality is, again, back to that, knowing what you want, what you want to do before getting enamored by the shiny new toy and seeing all of the, all of the, all of the cool features that it does. And that's, that's a big I, – I, I would go and buy – I'm dying to go buy a brand-new Xbox just so I can play Star Wars Battlefront. <laughs> uh, but that doesn't mean I actually really need all of those features. Yeah. Yeah, right. no, that that makes a lot of sense. Definitely also have been in lots of conversations where, I mean, the shiny object looks fun, but is it really... Like, it, it's the same It's the yeah. same analogy that is why uh, grant uh, foundations and big companies like to come in and fund a new grant for a new program rather than supporting and helping uh, ongoing expenses and uh, overhead. Yeah. Well, that's not sexy. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, being able to actually build an, a sustainable mission that, that, that has the ability to, to serve exactly what it needs on an ever-growing basis is, is to me, that's sexy. <laughs> I, kid. I, I, I kid. I know I'm, diff- I'm different, but, yeah. <laughs> but when you asked about choices, I mean, from, a non- from the nonprofit perspective, in the article I mentioned there were three – on the article on LinkedIn, I mentioned there were three reasons why we have so many choices now, or really a couple reasons, and then that beget why we have the choices. But to, in the last 10 to 15 years, we've had a, an amazing growth in the amount of tools that are out there that are readily available to people with talent in order to be able to uh, to be able to make 
solutions very quickly. So it, it's there's an ability now for a, a, a one person or a small group of people to make an amazing application that can have an outsized impact on and change the world. It, it used it used to be. I mean, you can go to the you know it used to be you know that you'd have to have a huge company to be able to do the kind of software that we can do with a band of three or four people, and that's that's incredible. And then you 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 marry that with uh, the the trend of large corporations looking at creating nonprofit programs around the tools that they offer for co regular corporate use. But manage, it, but allowing it out there for nonprofit uh, use cases, like what Salesforce does, what Box uh, .com does, what NetSuite does. Uh, Google has a program for nonprofits. Facebook now has uh, uh, donation pieces online. So that's one thing from the corporate aspect. Raise more is an example of that. Of the other side of that, of the ability of a small group of passionate people who are wanting to work in the social good sector, being able to have an outsized impact on it because of the what's available to be to develop from, and then the platform being mobile, the mobile environment that everybody has now. So it's really been an amazing cultural shift that allowed all those things to happen, and uh, you put it all together, and it's just it's incredible opportunities for nonprofits. So let's get into, you know, going into our theme of this season is building from the ground up. So from your perspective, from working with various different nonprofits, um, if someone came to you today that was that had just uh, basically started a nonprofit, they are looking to to understand what tools do they need they really have no real processes yet, what would you give them? What kind of advice would you give them? Where would they start? That is a, it's a great question. It's, it's different for every organization, depending on what you, again, back to what, you're, what you are and what you're doing as an organization. But there are some fundamentals. Uh, the, it's, it's like building a house in some respects. I mean, you have to have a, a firm foundation. The firm foundation for your house is, is best practices accounting of some kind. And whether whatever particular tool that is, being able to manage your, your fund accounting in such a way that you have to, in order to be IRS compliant in your 990s. Uh, so that's, that's really the foundation of the house. If you can't balance your books and manage your, manage your budget, uh, then you're not going to be able to report, and the IRS is going to have some issues with you. Right. You don't want that. Well, and they've they've come down harder a lot, especially on smaller organizations, and revoked a lot of uh, a lot of uh, tax exempt uh, status that uh, surprised a lot of people. And a lot of that was charities that probably shouldn't have been charities in the first place. But uh, but there were people caught in that that uh, big uh, big uh, net that were good charities that just didn't manage the uh, the basics correctly. So the when you think about the foundation of the house, that's that's really it. Then you have different rooms of the house. You can kind of think of in the metaphor. You're, you people walk into your foyer. You know how do you, that's your website. Uh, how do people get to know you? That's your your storefront uh, or your office, your main office, or your today it's really the website. Uh, your uh, your den or your living room is is really that. Uh, the meeting spots and and uh, and I, where do where do you actually bring people in to to, to do uh, what kind of software do you need to be able to actually manage relationships because that's where 
you know, relationships happen in, in the sitting at the couch watching a game or over the kitchen table. And that's where the work gets done. And that's, that's fundraising, that's communication, and, uh, that's, and that's letting one, the outside world know who you are and that you're, that, uh, why, you, uh, why you should get support. Uh, but the other side is kind of the is, might be uh, you know the garage workbench, and that's really where the work gets done. If you think about it, that's your what kind of software and, and is helpful to actually deliver the mission itself. That might be client tracking software for intake outtake of patients. Uh, it could be just uh, as simple as uh, as particular Excel templates in order to be able to to track how many uh, meals you've served that day. Uh, the there. There's an amazing amount of software out there for like recreation centers for boys and girls clubs and YMCA's and and things like that. It, they, I could go on and on about the types of software, but the analogy of 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 your of your home and and being able to build a foundation and then being able to bring people in and then where do you do and then meeting them and and getting to letting them get to know you and then also uh, where do you do the real work. I think those those kind of help people start to realize what kind of uh, solutions they they would need to get started. I think that's great. I like the where do you do the real work? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, being someone who works from home and talking about how, you know, it's like building a house. When I work from home, I often it's easy to get distracted you know, with other things around the house that you've got to do. You know, I've got to do some laundry here. Well, I'm just take, you know, 10 minutes and do that. Um, kitchen's a mess. <laughs> when you are building a new software um, platform for your organization to use, how do you keep the mission priority so that you're implementing the software so that it can help you propel the mission, but you're not getting distracted with maybe some nitty-gritty details that don't matter or, you know, getting too into the weeds with like, well, we need this feature now or else we can't use it. You know, that's something maybe I've heard before. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. So we, when you're thinking about building a new nonprofit, there's always, you, you don't think about building the new nonprofit because you want to actually, you want to mess with software. I mean, you you are all you're thinking about what you're trying to do, what the what that mission is, and then when we start building software, when we start thinking about what software we need, we we go into this instead of the outside end thinking that we have around uh, building the mission, we start this inside out thinking of what what features do I need? So if you can, uh, the biggest piece of advice is to go out your software and what you want out of that from the same outside-in thinking that you have when you think about the creating and running the mission. What do you, so what out of that, what on the outside there, what are those elements of, of constituents or, or uh, clients or, or whatever it might be, how you track your mission, do you, do you need to manage? And then how, how does that translate into buckets that you actually need to track? And because software is, software is, software's fields, uh, Fields and data, it can't. Uh, it can't. Uh, it, it, it. One of your questions I remember, and when we were looking through this before, was, well, what is one thing you wish software could do? I wish there was a way that software and they could actually measure the emotion of what it means to do the mission. Because all, 
because it really can't. I mean, you get client satisfaction, but it all it really does is it's it's boxes and picture and even pictures and and measurement and tracking. So you have you have to kind of take the emotion and the, of the mission and what you're trying to do, and what are you trying to actually then track that then gives you uh, some sort of way to actually repeat that over and over again. And so if you have that same outside thinking of where are we here and, uh, on, the, uh, on what we're trying to do, and then what is that? What is doing that entail? And then okay, those are the items I need to make sure that I'm be able to do within the software. Then rather than hey, I have software, it lets me do these things, and how do I how do I then track that to what I'm doing over here? Yeah, I like that. It's almost I could go for a total stretch analogy here, but all of this outside in and emotional speak makes me think of the Inside Out movie, which has been playing on repeat at my house lately. I actually just watched that this weekend. I was really (laughs) impressed. It's a pretty good movie. Yeah. I mean, it's really different in terms of the plot and everything, you know. My daughters are older, so we don't watch a lot of animated anymore, but that was uh, that was impressive. Mm hmm. It had a lot of different emotional levels on it. Yeah. I especially loved it when uh, I thought it, I could relate to it when uh, she goes at the hockey rink and talks to the boy and they show the inside of the boys and he's just freaked that a girl talked to him. It's pretty funny. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so another question. All right, so we talked about building, building the house. We've talked about how to not get distracted while building that house. Um, what about red tape? So... You know, I it contractors. It's hard to, <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly, contractors. Okay, so we're we're keeping with this house thing. Why don't um, we do that? How how do you get everyone bought in? You know, when you there's maybe a lot of politics going on. Let's just be blunt and just be honest with ourselves that there are a lot of politics that go on often in in nonprofits and decision making. I think to to implement a software or or in anything. How do you get past that? Yeah, I guess uh, those, I mean, hopefully in smaller organizations, you don't have as much because, I mean, if you're two, five, ten people, maybe, you know, you're hopefully know people and are able to you interact with them a lot more on a regular basis. But certainly as you get bigger, it gets much harder. Uh, and in the in the book, The Nonprofit Buyer, it's like how I got that shameless plug there again. Uh, the, uh, hey, as long as we get another analogy out of it, it's cool. <laughs> well, it's not an analogy. I just I just put in some practical ways of being able to take that because a lot of people will say take the emotion out of the purchasing process. Well, you really can't do that. So how do you harness the emotion? And and you know there are people that get very emotional about one particular software piece versus another. It's the Mac, you know, your old Mac versus PC, and. But if you if you use that emotion, and I, I tell people, if you have people who are in very competing camps, for example, you're looking at a, an accounting solution, and there's four or five different ones you want, and there's somebody who's really loves this one. Well, great. Let them be a champion for that, and let them go and help uh, put together the 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 business case, as it were, on why that particular one fits to the return the mission return on mission categories we've. Uh, measurements that we've described, and then you can get someone else to do the next one, and then there's someone else for the next one. So then you're you're bringing the uh, that kind of passion together to be able to say why, and ultimately you're you're getting the much better information because it's your staff looking for the solution uh, that is then translating that to the 
the mission priorities as opposed to telling everybody to be quiet and bring in a bunch of vendors and, and look at four hours of demos and then have everyone leave and then argue about it. <laughs> what? That happens? Yeah, it does happen. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, there's, there's always plenty to, to, to gripe about or be excited about. Yeah. <laughs> so you are an advisor yeah. um, at G2 Crowd. Tell us a little bit more about G2 um, and how that works. It's uh, When I was consulting prior to get, going to work for NetSuite last year on the NetSuite.org program, I created a part of the uh, – I would get into working with a nonprofits looking to make decisions, and I'd help them through the process on – on uh, all of the wonderful high and high and mighty ideas of what do you want to do and who are your constituents and how are you how do you how do you need what do you need to manage and track it's all those wonderful things but then ultimately the question would come down to well what which one should I look which one should I look at to make a decision well I don't I know a lot of the software out there but I don't know all of them and so I tried I looked at the examples of G2 crowd uh, Trust Radius, Captera, Software Advice, and the other tools out there, and, was, and none of them really uh, looked at the non at nonprofit spe software specifically. And knowing that organizations, nonprofit professionals, are very good at sharing and being open about what about why they've been successful and what they've used uh, from a software perspective that may have helped them, I wanted to provide a forum that would give them the ability to do that. And so I created returnonmission.com, but the uh, what I found through that is as trying to create anything, and that was kind of a labor of love side project to my consulting. And I really I realized that it needed to be in a in a much bigger home that could act, that could really do something with it. And G2 Crowd, this is their their work. And I met one of the founders, and he said, you know, we've always wanted to work with nonprofits. We just didn't know what was the best way to take what we do and apply it to help. And so in my advisory role with them, that's what I've helped them do, not just to say, hey, nonprofits, come review software here, but they're actually committed into the community by, so, uh, by helping any, any revenue that comes from, from vendors buying uh, nonprofit category software, uh, branding pages that they sell. All of that money goes back to nonprofits as donations. And then they created kind of an Amazon Smile kind of uh, link program where nonprofits can get a particular link and send it out to their to their constituents. And uh, if somebody on that takes that link and goes and reviews anything on their site, the nonprofit gets a fifteen dollar donation. So they really looked at it from not just hey, you know, we and, and also the other part to that is they have lots of research out there and they're providing it all to nonprofit professionals for free. So it's education, it's donations, and it's and it's uh, market market support, and I think that's really what makes a a for-profit company whose real focus is for-profit company really work, where they take what they do and and provide it out to nonprofits in a way that supports the community. So that I'm I'm pretty excited about that because they're looking at the ways to to show all the choices that nonprofits have out there, let people be able to talk and review talk about their successes and their failures with with all of those different products and then let others be able to learn from that and just because and the fun part on that it's all learning just because just because 
somebody else, one person, kind of organization failed with one particular piece of software doesn't mean everyone else will. You get to actually look at in, in their profiles and see, well, that person failed, but they're really not the same kind of nonprofit as we are. Yeah, a little bit of benchmarking. You know, right. how do I compare apples to apples? Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, uh, American Heart Association at the national office loved this stuff, but me and my five-person nonprofit, you know, it might, I can tell by the review, it might not be right for me or vice versa. Yeah. Love that. Like a Yelp for nonprofit yeah, yeah. software. It, right, exactly. Well, and that kind of goes into, um, I believe when I was stalking you not too long ago, um, I saw a retweet that you did that kind of goes into, you know, 92% of people virtual trust. Stalking, thank you. Yes, virtual stalking. 92% <laughs> of people um, trust their friends, while 40% of people trust ads. I think that kind of goes into play. You know, I would say the nonprofit community is very, very tight. Um, and being able to relate and understand, okay, this organization is similar to me. I trust them and they've reported something or they've actually given the green light that this actually has worked for them. So I, I can see the relation there that we all, we all love um, people's feedback um, rather than looking at an ad on, you know, Facebook. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's so true. I mean, you can get, but then it, you, people trust their friends, but then again, it's their friends may not be the ones who have the exact situation like them that would, I, that would say that the experience they might have had with that particular piece of software would directly relate uh, to how it would work for you. So the, the the goal of G2 Crowd is to bring like mind like not just like minded but uh, like professionals uh, together. So you could see this person has this this organization that's very much like mine, and I know and it's all based off of your LinkedIn profile. So you could see who that person is and and know that they are who they say they are, and then you you're getting uh, and you can actually rate individuals on there for the quality of their reviews. So you can start to really get an idea of this this person has these here are these four or five reviews that actually that correlate to my experience really well. And so before you it, part of part of what's wonderful about that is because it means you can do all that without talking to a salesperson. Which is always nice. <laughs> I, I, I know. But uh, it, it, it sales, salespeople, and in a lot of ways I talk, uh, I've talked to people about this, they, they, they're trained to want to, as they call it in sales speak, control the sale. And you can't do that anymore. So much information is out there and the, these kind of reviews and what's available uh, online and through your community, uh, You if, if uh, it goes goes back to just how you manage and work with with the vendors. If they're not working with you on return on mission or supportive in in how you need to consume information, then there's definitely a disconnect in how to deal with folks in our community. But it's it the it used to be in old school sales they would only want to give references out of a particular type. And you, people would say, oh, well, and people would always kind of half discount those references because they wondered, oh, uh, those are only people they want me to talk to. What about the others? And you know, there'd be this little game on trying to figure out the reference. But you know, today, you know, people know each other. People talk. You have online. You have offline review. On, online reviews and offline discussions. And 
the the better a vendor can actually uh, cultivate that and be a part of the conversation and instead of trying to dictate the conversation, the better they're going to the better it is for everybody. Where do you see the future of fundraising for nonprofits? If you had a magic wand, you know, where do you see that that wand going in the future? I I guess uh, my my biggest dream is actually the marriage of fundraising, fund accounting and outcome reporting. Outcome reporting. Yeah, so the ability to cuz donors today want to know where their money went. Mm-hmm. And the you can't fundraising by itself without the ability to to match to the to and truly measure what the outcome uh, of a of a particular mission environment is, uh, and being able to translate that back is is um, that's that's the holy grail. And I know there are a lot of folks who are doing well with that, and and uh, there are even specific companies that that work towards a particular. Uh, KPI graphs that would allow you to to put it up together on like a a donor portal so somebody could give money and then you put in all of your KPIs and they come back and they can say oh hey this project did this in this part of the world and had this particular impact and if I gave five thousand dollars more I could do I could I could how how much X could I actually uh, 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 give to impact those kind of things are going to are going to are going to make a big difference. We used to be in a lot of wide, just fundraising is a wide swath, and you know, bring in money and we'll do something good with it. Uh, we're into much more of a cultural shift where even small donors want to be able to know what did my money do. And the, uh, the technology that we're all accustomed to, they're used to seeing it through all, all, all sorts of other sectors and parts of their lives. And I give, I, I put money here, it does this. And we've got to get to where we can do that easily and, and efficiently in, in our world in, this, in the nonprofit sector too. That's my dream. I like that dream. I think we all thrive on transparency. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's missing in the nonprofit space. We have, I, I call it the, Three things: transparency, accountability, efficiency. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I'm on board with you there. I'd like to see it even like sink into my own per- personal budgeting uh, software. Would be awesome if you could like see in Mint what you've given to and what the impact is. Oh, and I will say, efficiency doesn't. And, a, and efficiency to, to a lot of people means not growth, but to me, it means it can mean efficient growth. Because if you're efficient, you can grow better, faster, quicker. Yep. I had to get that little point because people hear efficiency, and sometimes they hear efficiency and they think negative things. But efficiency means that you're good at what you do and you can grow quickly and serve more. Yep. Yeah. Here, here at Raise More, we call that automation. How can we automate more things mm-hmm. so we can focus on future? I just think of it as not doing things the stupid way. <laughs> <laughs> but the way that you put it, Andrew, is a lot more eloquent. Ah, <laughs> uh, thank you. No problem. I, I practiced before I got on the call. Uh huh. Yeah, I, <laughs> I just had to repeat to into the, into the mirror because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. <laughs> I just practiced being blunt before this call. No, <laughs> uh, my my best Stuart Smiley there. I this is it's, it, this is really wonderful. I. I the future of fundraising is 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 the future of being able to 
tell people to get, tell people why why your mission is important uh, and why it deserves uh, deserves support. And if you can't if you can't do all those things, then people then it's a uh, it just it obviously makes it very difficult. We live in a much more as much as competition there is in nonprofit world. There's competition in the in in the software world. There's competition among nonprofits to be noticed and uh, to get mind share with uh, potential donors. And uh, that's that's an incredibly uh, important aspect. If you can't if you can't showcase your your uh, showcase yourself to somebody uh, in an impressive way and then be able to talk about outcomes and why you're important then you're going to lose you're going to lose that donor to someone else and uh, I, even though there are lots of huge dollar donors uh, uh, huge donors out there giving big dollars it's 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 always you always hear those statistics about the small the small donors that uh, that uh, make up the bulk of, of of a giving program and those are the people that uh, that you need to always make sure that you're talking to now. And the, the big outcome tools used to only really work for your big dollar donors, but they really the, the things that are available today are really geared toward being able to show that kind of automation outcome to even to even to the to the small donors who may only give once or twice, but you'd like to make them recurring givers. And that kind of data will get will bring them in for that. So is there any tools that you use on daily basis, on a monthly basis, that keeps the train on the rails. I, I, all, when I saw that question, all I could think of was, if you took away my iPhone from me, I might, I might not make it. <laughs> it's it's yep. basically like an extra arm. Yep. Yeah. I'm an with you there. An extra arm and probably a few legs. I'm with right. you there. I, it's a. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's incredible what what that one tool has done for for just being able to communicate uh, and and reach any anyone anywhere. I know that's the the work life balance <laughs> can be difficult with it, but uh, it's but it's it's amazing and it's invaluable. And I I have a I have a hard time imagining being able to work be able to do what I do without that one specific tool. All the others, yeah, I can probably get it. I could probably do without, but not that. Not my iPhone. I love these podcasts. I think you guys are doing great work with this. Uh, I really, I think it's a, uh, it's kind of a cool, unique take on uh, on the fundraising discussion out there, and and uh, I really, I really enjoy it, and look forward to to seeing each of the episodes, and really appreciate you having me on, and hope it's hope it's uh, been helpful and informative somehow. Oh yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Andrew. Hey guys, thanks for listening today to Raise More Now. I hope you enjoyed the show. Walk away with some fundraising goodness. If you want to tune in again, go to raisemore.com and subscribe. And from there, you can also find us on Facebook. And we have some cool videos on raisemore.com. This is new to us. Again, we love feedback, so give it to us. Thanks. See ya.